Welcome, everybody, to a, another great episode of the Beyond Normal Podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Groom. I have a, a very special guest. Uh, he's he's local to the Charlotte area. I want to want to bring him on stage. His name is uh, David J. Butler. He is the CEO and co-founder of Hugh House. They're an ama- amazing creative agency here in the local uh, Charlotte area. Um, but without further ado, I want to bring him on the stage so we can, uh, you know, start to learn a little bit about how he uh, created this company called Hugh House. How's it going, David? Kenny, what's going on, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you for coming on for a little bit, uh, sharing your story with folks. Uh, you got an amazing team over at Hugh House. And, and, and so from our brief initial conversations, I, I had to have you on the platform so you could share your story and, and, and folks could l- learn a little bit about what it's like to uh, uh, live, be in the mind of a creative, because you definitely are a creative in this time that we're in right now. Uh, so without further ado, tell folks a little bit about uh, you, uh, David J. Butler, prior to you starting Hugh House. What what were you like? What were you doing uh, before starting this company? No doubt, man. Um, well, my name is David Butler, obviously. Uh, I'm a graduate of Winston-Salem State University, so shout out to all the HBCUs out there. I um, uh, graduated from Winston in 2013 with a degree in management. Um, but during that time, uh, I was very... Uh, focused on figuring out how I could get my passions and my lifestyle to align with, you know, the work that I was doing. So I initially came out of school. I worked at Coca-Cola in corporate for a little bit. That was about a year and a half. Um, and I was still very much active in building my brand um, here in the city of Charlotte. Um, and uh, from there, that kind of like led me into starting my first company, which is the Feather Bed. So now, um, you know, that's kind of like where I do a little bit of private consulting and then my art as an artist, as a photographer, as an artist, it lives underneath there. Um, and um, from there, I went into the world of retail. So I worked in a mall a little bit and, uh, you know, was doing my freelance thing while I was working in a mall. And um, eventually those retail skills, that logistics background and, you know, what I was learning about being, you know, built my own creative business came together for me to work for a company called the Whitaker Group. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Ascentum, which is an award-winning coaching practice that helps high-performing professionals advance and achieve the promotions and pay they deserve. Ascend to powerful heights with Ascentum. So that's where I really cut my teeth. I was there for almost five years and built two departments for them from scratch. And, um, you know, that's where I was at prior to going full-time with the agency. And it's been almost a year and a half since I've been full-time with the agency. So... Yeah, man, from 2013 till now, you know, finally a stabilized, uh, full-grown entrepreneur. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that with us, David. I'm curious, like, whether, because you started your own company and initially, right? You started your, you, yeah. your own thing, but then you went into corporate. You tried some a few things. Were, were there elements or skills you were trying to hone? Uh, going into the going more of the corporate route or working for somebody else that you maybe necessarily couldn't get uh, while you while, while you were uh, having your own business. I'm curious, like, 
like what did you take away from those experiences that that's got you to this point now where you feel comfortable being a founder? It, yeah, nah, it was, um, I mean, the early days, like the Coca-Cola days were just about getting your feet set, right? Like it's tough to do anything creative without having some money in your pocket. So even I was making pretty good money coming out of school. So really that was more about just like becoming an adult and like coming of age and like just getting comfortable living on your own, having your first apartment. You know what I mean? Like it's just doing that stuff. It, it can be a lot to try and do that and trying to like, you know, establish yourself as a creative. So, um, you know, that was kind of more so what that was for. I would definitely say like in terms of like job related experiences and the experience on the job came in, um, you know, later than I was expecting. Like I wasn't I was picking up things that I didn't know until I started applying them in roles where I was much more um, kind of involved or engaged in the work that I was doing. Right. So because the first role that I had at the Whitaker Group was rooted in e-commerce, um, I had to know some of that like logistical thinking. Right. Like in terms of like moving product between stores which stores needed to ship out stuff when based off of distance, like just little stuff that I had picked up from my time in the logistics world helped out with me thinking about being able to understand like systems integration and getting inventory systems, talk websites and like that kind of stuff. Um, but I didn't realize that it would be, you know, when I was going through it at Coca-Cola, I didn't realize it would be applicable later on. I thought it was just like boring, annoying work that I didn't want to do day to day. Um, so uh, there are definitely skills that I picked up. Some I was very, you know, cognizant of honing in on it. Others were just like, oh, snap. I didn't ever think that this would be useful, but I'm, I'm using it now. So there's a lot of transferable skills, even when you jump in industries or jump in roles um, that end up becoming handy. So it's important to understand that, like, even if you're doing something that you don't like, try and take the time to kind of step outside of yourself and be like, what's the lesson or what am I learning? What am I picking up from this? Um, because if I could have applied some of those things earlier, it might have, you know, boosted my my path a little bit earlier. Nah, that's good. That's good insight. David and, and like at, when you're young, you, what you don't know, you don't know, right? So right. like you don't know that it's gonna apply like at this point in your life. But now you're a you're a CEO, you're a co-founder, you're wearing all these different hats. I gotta imagine like it sounds like you you have these moments now where you're like, oh yeah, I did that back then, and now now you can apply it directly being the founder because you're wearing yeah. like all these different hats at one time, right? Nah, for sure. And like you now you just like you actively the difference is as opposed to like kind of going through life and like looking like just kind of doing stuff and then like looking back on it and being like, oh, this happened. Now it's more like I actively seek out those opportunities where I know I'm going to pick up a skill. Right. Like I know, like, OK, if there's something difficult is happening, there's either there's a disconnect somewhere that may be a skill or a gap that I need to be paying attention to. So you start looking for that sooner, which can help you be more efficient. So um it's almost like it becomes exciting and energizing versus it being something that's like, dang, this is a drag. It's like, nah, if this is something that is, if there's a rub or if there's a tension, you should like lean into it to figure out like what that is. And you may, you know, you, you'll find the value in it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I get it. So as you we were just talking, I was thinking about, okay, one of the hats you got to wear now is like talent. You got to hire, you got to like make sure people are in the right place at your, at your business. So I'm curious for you, like the debate is always like skill versus will. Like, mm -hmm. right. Do you hire somebody or put, do you want somebody in the role who has like all the skills you need? Or do you want somebody in the role who has the will to, to essentially like figure shit out? Like which mm -hmm. one for you is like, like what, what are you looking? What do you lean more on when you're looking for other people to, to fill in gaps at your business that you're not necessarily going to 
own. Like you're going to want somebody in that position to own skill versus will. I'm looking at like, I'm thinking about balance, man. I want a little bit of both, to be honest, um, because we're in creative industry. Like if you're dope, you're dope. And you got to have the skill. You got to be proficient, whether you're a cinematographer, a DP or a director or a graphic designer or, you know, you work in social media. You know what I mean? In terms of like hiring contractors to do work, it's like you got to be dope. So you need to have the skill. But also you want somebody that's not going to quit, not going to fold if they hit a little adversity and that kind of thing, too. So I'm looking for a balance because you you have to have the skill. And honestly, too, um, it may be sometimes where. depending on a lot of, there's a lot of other kind of factors that take into consideration, right? Like um, how big is this project? Is this a client I haven't worked with before? How big is the budget? Um, There are a lot of things that can determine, you know, who and how you're hiring. When we think about our core team, we don't necessarily think about it from the perspective of like, you necessarily need to have all the skills. We're thinking about like, what think, what's the thinking? And then if you can, if you can have some of that thinking, um, you know, if you can, have, if you can, if you have a similar mindset, then we know that we can kind of give you some of the skills that are necessary for what's needed for like the core team that are handling the day-to-day operations. When you're stepping outside of that and you're expanding your team to take on, you know, a specific project, you got to have like super skilled people in place. And then, you know, they need to have a little bit of a toughness and a little bit of grit to be able to get through anything that may come up during the project as well. So got it. So it's all contextual. It depends on what's going on, on how we, yeah, I like how we that. that. I like the way you put that with the contextual piece. Like I could tell you just thought through so many layers on in the business because you just mapped it out. You gave me a, a, a really deep answer. So I definitely appreciate that. And it sounds like I can't just show up with my iPhone and expect you to give me the job as the cameraman. So I think yeah, that's nah, a good thing. Unless that's unless that's what we call him for. Right. Like if that client is asking for UGC, then we're like we having a different conversation. You know, what I mean? if we got to work with a content creator or influencer. You might be able to get away with the iPhone. But, you know, not if we talking about doing somebody's like brand video that's going to represent their business. Then that's probably not going to probably not going to shake. <laughs> got it. Got it. Now, that makes sense. And you probably don't want me taking the pictures. I'll be honest. <laughs> so. Uh, so you 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 uh, you are the CEO, but you're the co-founder. Tell me a little bit around how you came to, um, I guess, what I would call like become like the three headed monster, because I know there's three very talented individuals that, that are at the, the, the core of Hugh House. So I'm curious, like, how did you all come to that decision? Um, in this, in our, in, in our times where a lot of people say, I'll just go it on my own. Yeah, man, it was interesting because, you know, it didn't really, we didn't set out to start a company when we first started kicking it. So my part, I got two partners, uh, David Daly Arrington and Davida Galloway. Um, we all have been contributing to, you know, uh, the creative economy of, you know, Charlotte and North Carolina for a while in our own different ways. And my co-founders are, you know, um, you know, some yeah, I think 10, like 10 years my senior in a lot of ways, um, like like physically by age, but also in like some of their experiences as well. Um, so I started out just chatting it up with Day. Um, we really were just kicking it. We got put into contact by a mutual friend. And um, it honestly took us like a year before we even got together and grabbed time to kick it. And uh, it was a very interesting time for, uh, you know, Charlotte scene. They were talking about a lot of arts funding and we just felt like there was a lot of gaps in terms of representation in the space. And we came together and we're talking for close to a year 
And we had um, started bringing people to the table. We had started, you know, people came, people fell off, people started doing their own things. It was one of those things. So that ended up being, um, you know, the catalyst for the company to get started. So um, after those conversations that me and Day had, you know, it was me, Day, and Davida at the end of those conversations. And we had a really big opportunity to kind of introduce ourselves to the city. And it was just us when the dust, when the dust settled. So it was almost like God engineering um, coming out of those conversations. And we were like, yeah, we're going to take this opportunity. We're going to start a company and we're just going to roll with it and see what we can see, what we can make shake. So um, it's really more divine intervention, bro, to be honest. It wasn't really something where it was like it was a cognizant decision of like, I'm going to go at it with business partners. It was like we saw a need we're trying to figure out how we're going to fulfill that need and being a for profit company just seemed like the right thing to do for that time. And we've just been growing from that thought moving forward ever since. I appreciate that, that, that breakdown there, David. And I know there's a stat out there. I couldn't find it, but essentially like, you know, it's proven numbers wise, having a co-founder, having that partner, at least one partner um, gives you a certain element of success a little bit more so. Right. Then some of the, the stories that we hear are the ones that like, you know, they went it on their own. They ended up being there, standing alone. And and while I think there's still some merit to, you know, being the one who at the end of the day sticks sticks through it, like having a team, having that support system, uh, even for our daily lives. Like we want to have somebody we want to have uh, our significant others, our kids, our family. Like we want to have people around for the journey. And so why did why wouldn't that apply to? Uh, starting a business as well. Um, and then you mentioned that piece around uh, being a for-profit business. I'm curious, like, like were there, I guess, starting out, were there thoughts around, like, maybe starting something that's more of, like, a non-profit, um, just community-based um, entity? Um, since it, I, I know community has been at the heart of some of the things that you all have been doing from the very beginning. Was there any debate, or did you always know, hey, we got we to gotta, we gotta be a for-profit entity trying to be out here making money yeah i mean charlotte is a city of nonprofits, and you know specifically with us starting out working in the cultural sector and a lot of our early clients were in the cultural and art sector and that's a very heavy philanthropic and like nonprofit space um but we felt like in order for us to bring maximum value to our community the way that we wanted to it was super important that we put making money <laughs> as a core value right when you talk about um uh, some of the needs that we have as a community, a lot of it comes from a lot of lack comes from economic, not having economic empowerment or the lack of economic empowerment. So um, for us, it was definitely a conscious decision. But we also know that um, there's the ability for us to garner some traction and build some relationships and do all these different things via nonprofit. So, you know, we do have a nonprofit arm. Um, we are a social enterprise and our for profit business is connected to our nonprofit. Um, so we get the best of both worlds um, because, you know, we are very much founded off that notion of community. And that starts to your point with us three as co-founders um, and how we've shown up in the community prior to starting the company. So um, definitely a natural part of the ethos. Got it. So. All right. So you three have been at the heart of it. Like what was starting at the for profit piece? Like what was like the hardest, like that hardest first thing you had to do? Like startup, was it Honestly, getting that first customer? Was it nah, like tell like, us a little it's, bit it's about been, it's been building the team and like establishing system and process. Like our story, like I said, mm -hmm. has been really God engineering, like getting coming down to like the first clients. We have so much relationship equity and we have positioned ourselves so well coming out the gate here locally when we started that like 
you know, acquiring clients or starting conversations that ended up in revenue wasn't really a problem. Um, but as we started to garner the revenue, it was like, okay, we flying this plane and building it at the same time. So now we got to start adding pieces <laughs> and start tracking things. And mind you, full time, I'm still working full time. They still got a main client that he's doing through his graphic design business. Davida's always doing a million things. So it was a challenge just creating the bandwidth and the capacity to make this a priority so we could see it grow. But the revenue was coming. So it was like, if something's happening. We just got to figure out how to service it the right way. Right. So um, the challenges for us uh, out the gate have been like, how do we um, put system and process so that we can sustain healthy, uh, you know, year over year growth so that we're um, in control of it? Because, you know, you, sometimes you can grow too fast. And the last thing you want to be is like things happening too slow. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, for us, it was that putting that putting that those systems and process in place and, and starting to hire a team. That was like the toughest part. And that grown like growth is like a good problem to have, like to your point, like you got revenue coming in. Now you got to figure out what to do with it. That's the good problem to have. And the other one is you're putting money in and stuff and no, no revenue is coming in. Like what was that first hire that you made in terms of the process and improvements and, and putting systems in place that kind of helped you all gain some of that bandwidth and, and, you know, have a have a schedule and build some rigor into this. Was there that one that one admin. first hire that admin? Admin. You got three grown people that all have multiple businesses and like trying to find schedule, trying to find time oh, on the yeah. calendar, trying to manage a company Ooh. calendar. Like it was it was tough. It was tough. And like we, you know, text message threads and emails and stuff going back and forth. So I was like, yo, we need an admin, somebody who we can be like, yo, here's our calendar. Here's all three of our calendars. This person wants mm -hmm. to meet find the time or yo we need to schedule time for us to talk about x y and z find us the time um and you know that admin opened up so much like you know, the bandwidth was just there after that you you'd be surprised that you you wouldn't think you don't really realize how much time you spend on the phone answering emails scheduling calls mm -hmm. um finding zoom links like <laughs> all of that stuff that takes up that eats up a lot of your bandwidth bro like um, and then when you talk about trying to align three people to get on certain calls with certain meetings, and you talk about trying to get with clients or trying to solve problems, it can be it can be rough. So like our admin um, uh, is like, you know, super, super important and was like the first hire. And uh, she's been with us for almost two years. Um, and uh, she's our first full time hire admin. Yeah. Shout out to the admins out there. Like for sure, like nah, that's definitely a, that's admins, executive assistants, all of that. Everybody yes. who's in that world, kudos and flowers. And a lot of times, those admin folks they can run a company even when the person's like not there. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. they can handle. They know where everything is. So it's like somebody who's trustworthy. It's tough to find people who are trustworthy and work hard and care and believe in the vision and all that kind of stuff. You got to take care of those people because they do a lot of the dirty work that um, you know allows for you to be successful. Now nah, that's awesome, man. I feel like you just dropped the gem on folks with that admin. Like people got to take note thing. of that. Part of it is too, though. Like it don't you don't want it to be too soon because a lot of times people be like, "Well, I need an assistant." It's like, bro, you don't need an assistant until you maxed out. Don't come out the gate feeling like like figure out like hit your hit your capacity and then like mm -hmm. you know if you hitting your capacity, you should have the revenue that would justify you being able to bring somebody on and then making sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because sometimes you can try and make moves prematurely. And, um, you know, you don't end up putting yourself in the best position because you're burning through bread, you know, having this mm -hmm. person on staff. But, you know, you're doing stuff. They're doing stuff that you could be doing yourself because you're over here doing whatever. So um, 
Yeah, but definitely shout out to all the admins and know when to make those moves. You know what I mean? Yeah, so you just touched on something. Uh, you keep putting these thoughts in my head, David, but <laughs> around like kind of like stretching yourself. Like I'm curious, like as you as like a like uh, as a I look at you as a creative, right? Like how do you go about like digging into something like you know focusing tunnel vision on something like when do you know like when you're tapped out and your line of work like what are what are those signals? Well, I've been blessed that the, again. That's one of the things too when you talk about having like generally for a lot of people entrepreneurship is a lonely game. So there's nobody for you to lean on. It comes down to you. You got to make the decision. It's that and the third. Um, but being that I have co-founders and being the fact that we have a good, solid team that works with us on a day-to-day -day basis, it really frees up the ability for you to be able to think through the things that you need to do. Everything that I, if, if I can't think, then like I, I start to feel frustrated. You know what I mean? Like I have to be able to have space to be able to like just let my mind wander and kind of uncover some of the uncover some of the solutions that are naturally kind of baked in there you know what i mean but you you ain't you don't really have the time to let them bubble to the top you know what i'm saying you're so busy doing this doing that so for me it's important for me to just have room to be able to to think and to like just kind of breathe um so i haven't really it's only only time i really get kind of like to the point where i'm hitting that like you know hitting that wall is if we got multiple things that are happening at the same time you know what i'm saying like we got multiple deadlines that are hitting because now you're trying to you spending a lot of plates generally on a day to day, though, you know, things are well. But once you start getting into the crunch time or like you're trying to get a project kicked off, right, like trying to get a project kicked off and trying to get a project wrapped is kind of the times where especially if you have multiple that are happening is a time where, you know, I'm starting to get stretched a little bit. Right. Because everybody's kind of starting to ask. Everybody's starting to need payments got to go out. You got to make sure the budget is right. This, that and the third. So when those tangible things are happening. But in terms of like, um, you know, the day to day, we set up a system that kind of allows for everybody to have the capacity that they need to be able to live in that vision space, to be able to think through problems, to be able to circle back with each other on stuff that we need to fix to kind of keep the, the company moving. Um, and that's kind of like been like a core principle and a tenant for us is like, you know, we're not really buying into no like, like hustle culture type stuff. Like it's more mm. like, like, yo, show up, do what's necessary, do it really, really well, communicate with each other, um, be authentic and real with each other, and everything else tends to sort itself out. Oh, that's dope. Would you say that that's like your, I know companies have like uh, core values. That sounds like that's your core values. Yeah, it's definitely part of it, man. So it's definitely like like when people say like, oh, our our work is a family and it's that and third, like, and it, it don't really be like that. Like that's like we really be like that. Like everybody who's here is like people that we like know and love. And like, you know, we want to see people shine. We want to see people be great um, from, you know, people who are on our core team all the way out to the people that we contract and do work with. Um, you know, we definitely have a familial vibe. Like we've been on sets before and people are like, yo, this is the most chill like set I've ever been on. You know what I mean? As a director or, you know, as talent, like this is the most relaxed kind of, I love this environment. I wish all, you know, environments are like this because people, especially in the creative space, because of deadlines and this, that, and the third, people tend to make those things high stress environments. But we know that like people are going to perform when they're most comfortable. Um, so we try and create a space where, Everybody knows that we, yeah, we got to get stuff done, but, you know, there, there's a, just a specific way that you can move so that people know that they can get stuff done. But also, um, 
you know, they can still be themselves, show up authentically, chill, and know that they got, like, everybody here has everybody's back. Yeah, and, I, and that's like a secret sauce, like, like, because, like, your clients will feel that, right? Like, you just, that example of on the set, like, the people who are paying you are going to feel like, oh, like, this doesn't have to feel like work. Like, this feels like we're getting stuff done, but we're doing it in our own way. And so that's mm-hmm. like a secret sauce. Like, even if you tell somebody that, they can't replicate it. Bro, and I mean, part of it, I mean, it's simple stuff. Like, um, we start, as a part of our company culture, we start all client meetings with music. Oh, that's like, dope. We have, and not, not, not like just like waiting music, like no, nah, like the first three, four minutes of the meeting is like us playing a song and it could be related to something that we're about to work on with them. It could be related to where we, you know, where we're taking them next in the process. But like we take the time to like do different things like that to kind of set the vibe. And people will tell us, clients have told us when they log in, like, man, I've been waiting all day for Thursday for my Hugh House meeting. Like I knew I had Hugh House on the calendar Thursday, Friday, Thursday or Friday or Tuesday. And I'd be looking forward to that because I know that the, you know, that energy is coming. Y'all make it such a welcoming um, environment. It's always, it's always good. So like, I'd be looking forward to my Hugh House meetings. Um, and we love hearing that from our clients. We'll continue to find different ways to make that, um, you know, continue to grow that as a part of our company culture and extend that out to all partners, internal and external. And that's fire, man. Is there a Hugh House play- it, playlist somewhere? I gotta know. There like, is. What, what are there the vibes is. of the playlist? I make sure I get you. I make sure I get you the link. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we gotta. gotta we got a company. Company Spotify. We'll definitely drop you the link to it, bro. So you can you can vibe out. Yeah, that's 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 fire, man. So, like, wow, like you just saying that you kind of like blew my mind. Like bringing music to the meeting. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, bro. It's like you can when you. That's the, those are the little things that I think people overlook. It's like, and we, again, like me, Day and DeVita have all worked in environments where we ain't never really, you know, really never, we ain't want to be there. You know what I'm saying? So it's mm-hmm. like, if anything, you're learning what you don't want to do when you get in those mm-hmm. environments. So we're like, what's the complete opposite of that? It's like that. Like, instead of, you know what I mean? We're going to spend three, four minutes introducing everybody and do these things anyway. And we still do that stuff too. But it's like, yo, have, wanting to work with people. Um, or having an environment where people want to work together and it's more collaborative and it feels good, people will work better, man. So, you know, we were thinking, like, how do we maximize that? We was already doing it for ourselves. We was already listening to music while we was working. So it was just like mm-hmm. natural patient. progression was like, we're going to get this joint off with a song, bro. And we're going to do it every single time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So after we get through our discovery meetings and all of that, like after every after they sign and all that, every meeting after that, um, we we try to. You know, sometimes you get on the crunch, you don't always get the, you don't always hit the nail on the head. You ain't perfect. But as much as we can, we try and start off with them with that good music to set the vibes and set the energy and get us ready to get some work done. Yeah, that, that's dope. And so, like you mentioned, like community's been at the heart of all the things that you all do. And Charlotte is like, a, Charlotte is a, a, a has a really strong community, but obviously there's there's the factors coming in. People are moving here, things are changing. So I'm curious, like for you all, like how do you feel? like current state of Charlotte and I guess like where the city is growing. Cause I know you all do so much in the city. Like how, how, how does it feel for you and, and the team? Yeah. I mean, honestly, man, we've been a lot of what we've been working on for the end of this year is to really focus outside of the city. Like I like to, in my artist life, I like to make the distinction between being local and being Charlotte based. I think those are two different things. Like local has a certain connotation. It has a residue that comes with it, but you know, we based in Charlotte, but we do business all over the world. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's how I like to encourage other creatives and artists to think about themselves. Like I'm Charlotte based. I ain't local. You know what I mean? Like I'm here and I'm contributing and I want to see everybody win. And um, 
you know, I want to see the city grow. But at the same time, it's like, you know, my feet are on the ground here, but like, you know, my head's in the clouds and I'm trying to take this thing as far as I can take it. So I try and encourage everybody to make that little bit of a distinction of like, yo, don't be local, be Charlotte based. So, I mean, for us, um, you know, we obviously are doing what we can on the for-profit and nonprofit side to continue to provide opportunities um, for creatives, specifically black creatives, um, you know, to make their way into marketing and advertising and understand that you can support yourself with those transferable creative skills. You know what I'm saying? You can, you can, you don't have to work at the mall like I did. You ain't got to work at Starbucks. You don't got to do these kind of like odd ends and jobs, you know, to be able to utilize your skill set and make money. You could be making sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year. You know what I mean? Working at an agency, using that same, using those same talents, and now you got the funds. Like I kind of like we kind of start talked about at the beginning of the, of the interview. Mm-hmm. Now you got those funds to be able to support your, your whatever your art practice might be, and that's the mission and kind of the vision that we see for the city is like, you know, we want to be a catalyst for you know, building a pipeline for creatives to understand opportunities that they can use to leverage their skills to make money for themselves. Um, And it doesn't have to be solely through your practice. You know what I'm saying? There's so many music, like I be getting on the music homies because music producing is such a crazy talent. And Mm -hmm. it's like, bro, we be needing pieces for like commercials and content and all these different things because licensing is crazy now. You know what I'm saying? So it's like- That sounds like a bad- you You can use your skill of making and producing music. And you know, you know how fast cats- will churn out beats. You know what I'm saying? Like, bro, you could tell, you could use some of those, sell some of those to people for content. And that's mm-hmm. like, if you got, I feel like if you have a tangible creative skill, there's no reason you should be broke. Like, yeah. you, and, it, and, it, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to make it as a producer, meaning like somebody has to rap on your beat and you have to get paid from that, that, that song going viral or whatever. Like you can literally use the skill of making music, you know what I mean? And other avenues. And it's just about providing information so that people can know that. And a lot of times, man, because we spend so much time in those creative skills, you again, you become super efficient. So what may cause you to be able to make money may only take you two hours. You can mm-hmm. still spend the other 10 hours on being a like, you know, a, a music producer or a DJ or whatever it is that you want to do. But like take the two hours so that you can like use the bread to support yourself. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, man, I just want to encourage that for us. That's the vision we see for the city where, uh, you know, creatives and artists um, see themselves as small businesses, see and create opportunities for themselves with their creative skill. And it's not something where like, you know, it's like we're getting rid of the started starving artist mentality. Right. Yeah. Like we and, and we specifically provide an industry with marketing and advertising where uh those skills can be leveraged, you know what I'm saying, most frequently and a lot easier, a lot, a lot more easily than most people kind of realize and recognize. So I like that approach um, because it, it it almost makes it feel like we gotta we approach like we are a business like you are you you as a brand as David David J Butler you are a business meet myself as Kenny Groom I am a business like you know you can do the work for other entity, entities but then how do you maximize it for yourself and like mm-hmm. you said that starving artist mentality like. You know, we've, we've seen that in the past where the artist doesn't necessarily necessarily get their just due. So, like, why do the same thing multiple times if you're going to get the same outcome? Something's got to change. And mm-hmm. them becoming the owner of their destiny, that that, that that's kind of cool to me for a creative, like, coming in. Like, you mentioned mm-hmm. the beats. Like, our intro video for our podcast, that was a producer that sold that to me, right? And so it's not, a, it's, it's not me rapping over it or singing over it. But podcasting instrumentals, that should maybe that's an avenue that they explore. 
and they get some quick money from it. I don't mind paying for it, um, especially if the quality's there. And then I'm not about to sit there on a beat machine myself and make it. So I need to go to somebody who's got that skill. Mm-hmm. And whatever they say that their skill is worth, I got to pay up. Legit. You know? Yeah. Legit, so, man. so, yeah, as you were talking through it, like, man, yeah. you spent some real, like, people got to, like, listen. And I'm excited for the Charlotte area. Like you said, there's plenty of opportunity here. But, like, what you said, you don't have to be local. You can wear that CLT on your shirt, on your hat. You can wear it anywhere, right? And then you end up bringing Charlotte with you. That's the cool part yep. I'm excited to see moving forward. Yeah, and the biggest thing, too, is just making sure that those resources come back, man. Like, yeah. I think that's the that's the thing, too, is, like, don't forget where you started and don't forget that there are people there that could be useful from the experiences that you gain. And I think that'd be the biggest thing. Like, I feel like a lot of times people feel like they have to leave Charlotte to get bigger. And that's fine if that's what you feel like your path is. But just don't forget to come back and sow some seed because there's still some people here that could use, you know, the knowledge that you're getting, you know what I mean, to be able to grow, especially the next generation, because there's so much opportunity out there for them. But we got to be here to teach them how to navigate. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I appreciate you throwing that in there. So as we close, let folks know how they can um, stay in tune with the Hugh House brand. And then uh, any lasting thought, you know, that final thought you want to leave our listeners with. Um, you've been dropping gems the whole time, but if there's anything you want to close out with, let them know. Nah, man, I, I appreciate it. Um, we're just excited to continue to do work. Um, you know what I mean? We open the new doors, changing how brands are connect to community and culture. Um, you know, look us up. It's uh, it's Hugh House, I-T-S-H-U-E-H-O-U-S-E. So that's the website. That's the LinkedIn. That's the Instagram. That's all that. So um you know just look us up and uh tap in with us man we around um, we got the block too um you know what i mean it's the block.com it's the block on instagram which is our nonprofit and community stuff that we're doing so you know stay tapped in with us there as well um and really man just believe in yourself um but more importantly like put the work in like you got to believe in yourself but you also got to put the work in too um and everything everything tends to work out that's a mic drop right there david i appreciate you uh sharing Sharing with folks, again, your story. Um, I'm excited to see what, what Hugh House has going on. Uh, I'm always checking to see like what, what's the latest thing that you all have done from a creative perspective. Uh, I'm looking up to that, to he, what Hugh House is doing, so trying to get beyond normal at, to, to the it, right man. place. And so, um, again, thank you for uh, being a guest and for all the listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another great episode of the Beyond Normal Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Yeah.